You are going to love this episode. Actually, I love all the episodes. How can you not when you hear of God's power alive and working in people's lives today? Not just in the Bible days, but today. In this episode, I interview Pastor Craig, who was visiting Adelaide in March 2022 for the Revival Fellowship Leadership Camp down at Karakalinga. Pastor Craig is a bit of a character. He recounts the story of when he was in his mechanic workshop and how a car fell off of a jack while he was underneath it and the full weight of the car, which is somewhere around one and a half to two tonnes, fell on his head and on his body and pinned him underneath the car. It's, it's an amazing story and I won't spoil the surprise, but you probably guess by now that God does something miraculous for him. Enjoy. Pastor Craig, welcome to Revival on the Air today. Pleasure to be here. So we're sitting out here on the grass under a tree at Leadership Camp at Karakalinga in 2022. Yeah, life's pretty good, isn't it? It is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the other poor people are doing, but we're doing it pretty good. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Been an amazing camp, hasn't it? Just Uh, such inspiration. Not only that too, you know, I don't think I've ever been anywhere where I've heard so many amazing talks. Like you'd go, everyone, you can't go, that one's better than that. They're just so amazing and it's not just one it's just all of them being really inspirational yeah it's amazing so you're not from around here and i come from gunning satellite city of the universe <laughs> now that's near goulburn yep. in new south wales that's right yeah yeah um, well great to uh, great to meet you now i heard some pretty amazing stories that you gave uh, about what the god's done for you uh, in your life when you were up on stage uh, a night or two ago I'd love to hear some more about those. Well, I suppose the, one of the most remarkable things is I suppose that I work as a mechanic and uh, quite a number of years ago I had uh, an incident where a chap came into work and uh, he wanted me to look at his car and I said, look, you, we're rushing. It's getting close to knock-off time. I said, you jack it up. I'll fly underneath and have a look. He's jacked the car up. He didn't put stands under it. I've dived underneath this car and the next thing you know, it fell off the jack. So it's landed on my entire body with the rear lower control and most of the weight sitting on my head. Now, that, I mean, let's just put that in context. Uh, car weighs how much, roughly? Um, probably getting close to two tonnes, two, one or three quarters, I suppose. Yeah. So it, it's, it's like trying to crush an egg, which is what I felt my head was. And oh, it's very hard to describe what real fear is, but I felt it then. And I was just absolute fear because I was conscious the whole time and all I did was open my mouth out to scream because of this incredible fear and I opened my mouth to scream and all that came out instead of screaming was hallelujah, hallelujah. And from that instant I was at peace. I was calm to the point where I had to tell them what to do to get the car off me. And and I knew that that instant... So, so this, was, this was the guy that was there or other people in the workshop? Oh, or? Everyone on the workshop's yeah. around at this stage and they're trying to manually lift the car off, which I had to mention to them that not to do that because it nearly broke my neck. And I said, go and get another jack, stick it under here, you know, because I'm just stuck under this thing with the weight crunching down on my head. And, uh, you know, so they, they end up getting me out from underneath this thing. And, you know, like I knew when I'm laying under there, like if the Lord saved me from this, you know, everything's going to be okay. I just really believe that. And Did like, you feel like you might not make it? Or? No. Never once did not, I think I was not going to make it. Like, when this hallelujah, hallelujah came out, I just really had that peace and calm that knew that everything was going to be okay. I knew the Lord was with me. I, I didn't have that. It's weird when you've got something crushing on you like that and it's, and it's crushing my chest, my hips and the whole body, but I just knew it was going to be okay. And that's, that's completely defies all natural thinking. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You should have been freaking right out. I mean, I don't, you know, and, and like I can't, 
like even myself, I can't understand how I was so calm. Like I don't get that. When you look back now, oh, Chino, it's just weird. Like you know, it's it's it's, it's ev- totally reverse of the reactions you'd expect. And you know, I got out from under the car, and and I said to my son who was working with me at the time, I said, look, get my dad. He's going to have to take me into hospital. Go and tell your mum. But everything's okay. The the lump was so big on the back of my head, you couldn't see my ear from behind, and I couldn't put my hand over it. It came out so far. And then the swelling down the front where it had grazed me and, and what have you there. So I've, I've got my dad to take me into hospital and I'm, I'm pretty calm, but I couldn't think about it and I just broke into tears because it was obviously the shock. I got in to see the doctor and this woman just goes and presses around my head and goes, oh, you'll be okay. No x-rays, no scans, nothing. Really? I kid you not. Okay. Anyway, I said, well, can I have something for the headache? She said, oh, here's a Panadol. <laughs> That was it. And I'm thinking, oh, well, praise the Lord, you know. And we went home. took me three days to get out of bed before my wife could get me back to another doctor. Then, because I had a certain amount of brain damage, it was pretty pretty severe in in the sense that I went to work, somebody came home, somebody else. And that was very hard on her. So what do you you mean by that? Well, I had, because of the, the brain swelling, I had a personality change. I've always been very calm, never been very aggressive in that sense. You know, I never lost it. I just wasn't, you know, whereas I had no concept of time. I didn't, my fine motor skills weren't good. One leg dragged. I had um, headaches constantly. I couldn't cope with, I couldn't be touched. No one could touch me because I felt like I was getting burnt. I couldn't go out in the sun. I had no memory. I had, I couldn't speak properly the words. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I couldn't add up. I couldn't even help my daughter with a second class mass and mass was, you know, one of my strengths, you know. Yeah. All these things I had to, you know, just picking things up. If I didn't watch it, I dropped it. And my memory was so bad that when I was back at work part-time, if I went to the bowels to serve someone's petrol, if someone came and interrupted me between then, I forgot I'd been there and I wouldn't book it down. I just had no recollection of being there. So there was all these ongoing issues. And, um, you know, and, and this I'd have these incredible outbursts of rage because of uh, an intolerance, which I just didn't have, which was really out of character. And, uh, you know, the doctors just put me on more and more drugs and stronger and stronger drugs. And anyway, in the finish, I was taking more pills than you could poke a stick at. And what were the drugs for? Oh, all sorts of things. One was for epilepsy, one was for depression, one was for something else. And just all, there's a list of things. And they said, they're under absolutely no circumstances can you stop taking these. You know, if you're going to stop them, we've got to be, it's got to be done medically, it's got to have this, you've got to have all these things. And it, this all went on over a period of, of time and um, I got certainly a little bit better here and, and it's a very gradual thing. And the whole time, I never ever thought, why me, Lord? I was grateful that it was me and not either one of the other boys in the workshop because, you know, I figured I had a solid marriage, I had a good life, I had the Lord, I had so much more going for me. And I was just waiting on the Lord for the healing. I thought, oh, well, I'll get it. It'll come, It'll, you know, and I'd prayed about it and I just left it there. And how was your wife coping with your change and your challenges? Not well. What I didn't know was that, you know, she was really good in front of me, but then she'd go and lock herself in the bathroom and cry and pray. You know, it was the Lord that carried her through, but she'd be in tears in the bathroom praying, you know, to cope with, with the things that were going on. And she'd, oh, look, if he gets no better, I'm, this, at least I've got him sort of thing was, was, was how she was. And that was, you know, she only had the Lord. And I suppose, you know, if there's good things to come from, you know, these sort of things, that she had to rely totally on the Lord, not on me. 
for each other. You know, it was just her and the Lord. So she really gained strength from that and, and that really helped in her own walk. But it was it was a pretty hard time for her and very hard on my, my daughter at the time too. Yeah, how old was she? She would have been uh, probably six, five or six, yeah. around that. And, um, you know, she's uh, had a dad who was very cuddly and hands-on and that and just didn't want to be touched. Mm. Don't sit on me, don't do that. You know, it was really difficult for her. Um, and we were also right in the process at this stage of the adoption of our, our son. And so we told the, the people with the agency, you know, this is what's going on. You're going to be all right? Yeah, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's, a, that's a step out in faith, isn't we'll it? We'll just go ahead, you know, they said. So I said, fair enough. But, you know, through all these things, it it, um, it worked out okay. So as it went on and I, you know, I just kept going on the Lord. I was running a house meeting out in Gunning at the, still at the time. So we kept that going. And Alan was pastoring at Goulburn at the time and he was doing a great job. And and little did I know that, that he was suffering from just the sheer pressures that, that being a pastor and what people put on you and the effects that has on him and his family. He just he's brilliant with uh, when he brings the word. It's just amazing talks he gives. And, you know, so I'd only ever bring a talk when he wanted me to. So, you know, and I, you, you realise in hindsight the things that you need. And um, he eventually, he just got too much from me. He said, I just can't do it. And he, and he just broke and... Um, I came home and said to my wife, I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I said, I can't do this unless the Lord does something because every time I tried to do anything more physical or emotional or anything, I got really sick with some really severe consequences. And um, what, what sort of consequences? Oh, I'd have really chronic diarrhoea and yeah. fatigue and just it was really bad. And every time I tried to do anything that was out of the ordinary, so I said, I said, the Lord's going to have to do something because I just can't do it. So this is 10 years later? 10 years later. And so you felt you had to step up your Well, your I was work? basically, I'd stepped up a bit in the extent. I was still, I was, I was, I was just getting back to work full time. I'm, you know, helping more in the fellowship because there was only Al there really. Yep. And I was helping him and, um, you know, as in whatever capacity he wanted me to. Um, obviously not enough. And uh, so I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, the Lord's going to have to do something. So I really got earnest about my prayer at that time. And within a week, I was drug-free, totally drug-free, no side effects, no withdrawals, no anything. All the stuff that they said I couldn't do, the Lord did. Hey, it's Ben here, and I'm here with my wife, Emily. And we'd like to tell you about the new podcast called He Says, She Says, God Says. It's all about marriages and relationships, where God is at the centre. Everyone knows that marriages are under more pressure today than ever, so this podcast is designed to help you with both practical and spiritual content. We cover a different topic about marriage each episode, and we look into the scriptures to understand what God's wisdom has for us, as well as interviewing other couples who have been there before, what's worked for them, their challenges, and how they overcome them, their experiences. So whether you're single and thinking about a relationship, newly married, married with kids or empty nesters, there will be episodes and topics for everyone. You can find it on your favourite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, etc. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Just search for He Says, She Says, God Says or visit our webpage www.hesayssheesaysgodsays.com. So did you make a conscious choice? To stop taking your drugs? Or? No, I just didn't. It really wasn't a conscious thing. It was the weirdest thing. I just really got into a prayer and within a week I just went, I don't need this stuff. And, and you know, if you've been on long-term prescription drugs like this, it's like coming out of a fog. 
you know, I didn't realise what it had done to me either. So that was a real blessing for me. So hang on. So I just want to think about this difference but time frame between, you know, year one, two, three and four and year 10. Was your prayer different at year 10? Was it, was it because, you know, there was no other choice? You had to, you know, if the, Lord, the Lord had to heal you so you could take on the responsibility that you needed to? There's probably a bit of that. And there's a lot of things, I suppose, happening in the way. I mean, I got depression. I'd never had depression in my life and I wasn't very sympathetic for depression because I thought depression was, oh, well, it's me. Come on, let's go. Let's get on with it. That was my idea of depression. Here I was, I got depressed and I'm going down in this hole and it's getting further and I'm praying and I'm not going and I'm, and I'm praying and I'm not getting any better and I'm praying harder and it's getting darker. How do you pray the worst it gets? I'm just getting deeper and deeper and I'm just praying and, I, and all of a sudden I'm just praying and it's getting worse and then one day it just wasn't there. And I went, I got up the next day and like, where'd that go? What happened? You know, totally gone, totally healed. It was all in this, this was in this, over this, in the different times of this 10-year period. And when I really just got desperate about, you know, like I said, because, you know, I've got to do something to keep the church and help the church keep going. Like I've just, you know, and I said, so God has to do something. It was really that desperation, I suppose, in my prayer that, with, that I really got more serious and, I, and like I'd, I'd prayed about it and I just was leaving it with the Lord. Well, I needed to get up my backside and do something. That was the problem. The Lord wanted me to put some action in rather than just waiting on him. He was waiting on me. So <laughs> That's how I see it. So is it fair to say that your prayer changed from Lord heal me for me to heal me for you so I can serve you? Oh, I'm sure of it, yeah. It was, I said, Lord, I can't do this unless you do this. Yeah. This, you know, I, I, I can't do it on myself. I cannot do this job unless you do something. I'm not capable. And maybe that's what I needed to say. I'm not sure, but that's what came out. And that made such a difference. And then to be drug-free was just such a breeze because, you know, that cleared up. And, and it was really funny because I, I spent a period of about six months where I did, a, um, I did the Sunday talk and then I was doing a Wednesday night talk for six months and I never heard the word. And, um, and I tell this to a lot of people and one of the guys came across from camera and brought a talk and I was dead set like a dried up sponge just soaking it up and I just went, I cannot ever go that long without hearing the word. So you were ministering but not being ministered not to. Not being ministered to, I need to be ministered And when I took on being pastor in Goulburn, I said to the boys, I said, look, I'm going to step up but I said, you guys have got to too. I said, I need to be ministered to, I need to hear the word of God preached. I can't not have that because I'll, I'll, I'll fail. You know, I need to, I need that I need to be getting the instruction from the scriptures I need to be ministered to and we all need that you know and I just look at some of these small assemblies where the pastor's trying to do it all it's it's not fair yeah. you know they need to have someone minister to them as well and and that's you know it's not just through the Holy Ghost it's just so good to hear the word preach and then when you get to come to something like this weekend and just hear these amazing talks and you go like oh so good it's so good <laughs> it's like, <laughs> You know, you go, yeah, right. You, and you sort of think, oh, I've got to make the effort to go. And you go, why did I ever think about that? It's just so much worth everything you've done. I was talking to someone this morning about it and, and he said, he said, I think I can dine out on this camp for the next three or four months. Oh, there's no question. I just want to take every tape home so I can listen to it all again because there's just, there's too much to take in, you know, and there's, there's, there's so much there and, and it's what the Lord gives us. And I just, you know, like, I mean, I've still got ongoing issues from my accident. My memory's still no good. Yeah. I still don't have good fine motor skills and, and, you know, like there's all those sort of other issues. And, you know, I still have a lot of pain and I still have headaches and all those things, but it's just minor. Mm. You know, it's nothing in the big scheme of things. Mm. It's, it's, it's no big deal. Like, the Lord's there. He, he, he meets my needs, you know, but I, I fought tooth and nail about not being pastor. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Is there... 
I'm not sure I've he- heard too many examples of, you know, from Moses onwards, right, where people are, pick me, pick me, pick me. It's usually the other way around. Well, I've got up there. They kept coming and say, oh, we think you can be a pastor. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm out of town. I've got this. I've got that to run. My wife doesn't want to be there. And and I had a dream. And I'm dreaming about the church and we're all in this boat and we're waiting for a pastor to go somewhere. And I'm going, I woke up going, it's not the pastor to take us. It's we're the body of Christ. We need to be doing it ourselves. I went, okay. I'm thinking, looks like I can do it. The next morning after that dream, my wife looks over to me and says, you know what? I think we can do it. And had you told her about the dream? I hadn't told her about the dream. Totally blew me away. I went, well, that's surprising. Well, listen to this. That afternoon, Pastor Mark turned up at my place, comes out and goes, you know, guys, I think you can do it. We just looked at each other and went, yeah, okay, we already know that. Yeah. We've been told. <laughs> so That's amazing. I said I'd take it on and I didn't announce it at the assembly for three months because I kept praying that someone else would turn up. <laughs> you live in hope, don't you? And I said, someone else will probably come up. Some, the Lord will bring someone else in. I really can't be the right man for the job. You never have a brother named Aaron, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I said, there's got to be someone coming in for this job. And then um, uh, one of our sisters went to the convention in Perth and she walks in after the convention and looks at me and goes, I know a secret. And I said, what's that? I said, I know we're getting a pastor. I've gone, oh, no, I'll have to make the announcement. You know, like it was the cat was out of the bag. So I stood up that day and I said to folk, I said, well, I've said I've got good news and I've got bad news. I said, the good news is you've got a pastor. Bad news is you've got what you can afford. <laughs> <laughs> so... And look, praise the Lord, it's, it's been a blessing and, and... How long ago was that now? I've got no idea. I don't have any concept of time. I really don't. That's another thing from the accident. Time is not really something I deal with well. I, it was funny, after the accident, I remained 35 for six years. Sounds, sounds fantastic. <laughs> Sam goes, you're not, you're this. And she goes, and she goes you're, oh, you're 40. Said, did you give me a party? She had to think about it. She didn't, did you? You know, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I don't have a... It's, I don't know how long it's been. I really don't. I've got no idea. I always ask my wife how long these things are. And, uh, but it's great. You know, like, I mean, I've, you know, the, the church has been great and it's, it's, there's so much blessing involved. And it's amazing how the Lord changes your heart and how the Spirit works on you. I mean, I've always been a little bit blunt and I try not to be, but I'm accused of it a bit by my wife. So you, you've got to be more subtle. You can't say things like that. I said, but that's, you don't Have do you that. always, were you like that pre-accident? Uh, yeah. So so you can't blame it on the accident. I that's just, that's like, just who I'd, you are. I'd like to say I wasn't, but it's, and, you know, I was never very modest either. So that, I can't even blame that on the accident, but I didn't realise how compassionate I'd become. And it's just how much the heart aches for people. And I, and I just... You know, I just, and I meet people in the world and I just, my, my heart cries for them because I just know what they need and, and they don't see it. You know, I'm going like, all your problems could be solved if you would just respond. But we feel that way because we love them, right? Yeah, and we're called, And we're called to love them. Right? Oh. We're called to love our neighbour and, and the reason our heart aches is because of that love that we have. It is, and it's so true. And I didn't realise then it's, how come it's just gotten so much stronger over the years and, and it just develops more and more and... You know, it, it's a nice thing, yeah, apart from that. You know, it's a nice feeling to have, but, yeah, it's it's good. It's, you know, it is without a doubt the best thing in the world is to be in the Lord. Absolutely. You know, and, and I had someone ask me, say, well, why are you still here? They said today, I said, I'm still here because I, I speak in tongues. It's the proof. Yeah. You know, like if I didn't, I, I, I received the Holy Spirit before I got baptised. You know, my wife, uh, I came home, well, she wasn't my wife then. I opened the door and she'd been baptised on the Wednesday. This is Thursday afternoon. I come home from work. I looked at her and said, you've got it, haven't you? And she said, yeah. 
Two days later, she says, I want you to seek for the Holy Spirit with me. I said, I don't want to do that. Because I figured women needed religion. No, I didn't. And, uh, you know, so I was happy for her to get baptised and do all that. I wasn't going to change. Because my life was happy. I was really content. I wanted nothing. And yet here we are. And she goes, you know, cons me into seeking for the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm laying in bed and I reckon it took me forever. I reckon about 20 minutes of saying hallelujah, which I thought was forever. I didn't realise how hard some people have to do it. And the next thing I'm speaking in tongues and just absolutely blew my mind. I felt like I was floating off the bed. I couldn't believe it. It just made such a difference. And, and to having that experience and then I knew I had to be baptised by full immersion. I knew that straight away. I knew then also that what we were doing was wrong. We couldn't be living together. You know, we can't be sharing. And, and had anyone told you that or is that you just no. knew? Yeah. No, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that... That's the Holy Spirit talking. Yeah, absolutely. I knew, I knew that people didn't drink and smoke in the church. I knew that. You know, I knew that. But as far as living together, I just immediately I said, well, we can't do this. I was just going to move into the next door room. My pastor goes, you need to move out of the house, son. All appearances of evil. Oh, OK. So off I went down to the neighbours and I lived with them for six months. Yeah. And um, I didn't honestly believe that my life could or my married life could be any better than what it was. But when we got married before God, doing the right thing, and the blessings that he bestowed upon us after that blew my mind. It was so much better. It was unbelievable. And and, and I tell everybody that, that's willing to listen to me, there's nothing better than being married in the Lord. There's nothing better than having, and I love that term that they use in New Guinea, it's being my one body. And I use that to witness to everybody. I said, you know, that's my one body. You know, this is what it's about. This is what's important you know, becoming one. And it's just such a wonderful thing to have. And, and really without the Holy Spirit, that's very difficult to obtain. I almost say impossible, but it's very difficult, you know. And we're very fortunate that we've got that gift. And if you've got somebody that's prepared to use it with you, there's nothing better. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it is. Thank you, brother, for sharing that wonderful testimony. All right. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure, actually. Good. I just love talking about the Lord, so it's not really it, a problem, is it? It doesn't. <laughs> It's not an imposition. There's no imposition at all. Oh, that's great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Craig, for sharing your story. And as he mentions, it's no imposition at all to tell of the wonderful miracles that God performs in our life. If you want to hear more miraculous goodness, have a look at the other episodes we have. You can get to these on your podcast app or via revivalontheairtoday.com website. Want God to perform a miracle in your life? want him to change you, then reach out to us via email, podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. Until next time, God bless.